Welcome to episode 23 of the Indie by Design podcast. In this episode, we're kicking off an ongoing Games That Made Us feature, in which hosts Stace Harmon and myself, John Robertson, explore and discuss the games that have most powerfully inspired and influenced us, both in our gaming tastes and, potentially, in our lives in general. In this episode, I interview Stace about The Secret of Monkey Island, how it impacted him at the time, how he remembers it now, and ultimately, why it remains such a powerful experience for him. So when we were, when I was much younger, a good 27, 28 years ago now, uh, we had a, our family computer was an Atari STE. Um, which as far as I remember, it wasn't like, that wasn't what all the cool kids were playing. I think it was much like it was more of an Amiga thing. I think I remember Amiga being quite, um, uh, quite popular at school and much more mainstream, but we had an Atari STE. I don't remember what the E bit was stood for. I think it was like just a specific model. Um, and we got that for, I think my brother got that for his birthday and one of it came with this like 20 pack of games but one of the the first games we actually got bought as like a standalone separate game to the the sort of bumper pack of games that we got was the secret of monkey island and um, that came in as pc games did at the time came in this big big cardboard box um and it had uh it came on four floppy disks and um me and my brother played that for well it feels like weeks and weeks but it it probably wasn't but like I have have memories of like over the entire winter almost we were playing Monkey Island and trying to trying to crack it because I was at the time I was 10 and he would have been uh, 11 or 12 11 I think Um, and it was one of those games and this is one of those things that we've talked about previously I think where it was like it is ostensibly a single player game um but we sat down and played it together and we only ever played it together like we didn't we didn't it wasn't that one of us might play it for a couple of hours and the other one would come and join in it was like that was we sat down and did this thing together Mm. um and it was one of the first games if not the first game that I remember really being kind of really hooking me with its the atmosphere and the like I actually got into the narrative rather than it just being like a lot of the other games that I played at the time on on the computer were things like uh there was I think Speedball and Xenon and Nebulous and Space Harrier I think and all these weird and wonderful kind of games that were very they were far more immediate than something like Monkey Island. Monkey Island was far more cerebral and you know it's a, a puzzle game and a narrative adventure. Um and it was like everything from the the box art was very evocative and very it wasn't obvious it was it was more like the the art of a of a novel like a pulp novel than it was a a video game to my mind at the time um and i think actually looking back at that it, it that probably still holds up now um i think if you took away all of the sort of the furniture of from the box and just showed somebody the picture and said what like what do you think this is for I'm not sure that it, the video game would be the obvious um, touching point for it, but um, and so yeah, so it was everything from the from the big box to the the fact that it came on four discs was like that's that was pretty uh, that was pretty mind blowing at the time. Um, and more discs is always better. <laughs> that's it, right? It's like four times as good as a, as a game that comes on one disc. Yeah. And uh, and the, the Monkey Island Two came on twelve discs, which was incredible. Um, and yeah, so we sat down and played Monkey Island together, and it was, I, I just have very, very fond memories of kind of these these dark nights when it was, you know, winter, so it was getting dark early, and we'd get in from school, and we'd, we, at that time we had allotted, you know, computer time, it was rationed, so it wasn't just like you can play on it whenever you want, we had to ask to play on the computer. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a really great way to spend a, a winter and it and that has stayed with me i've you know I've, I've been a fan of the monkey island series since then and because of that because of those memories um that i formed then um and i do think like the first couple of monkey island games were by far the best ones the 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 later ones just i still played them but they i kind of felt like the heart had gone out of them slightly um is is that is that because of the game itself or because you got you got older do you reckon no, I think it is the games. I think it is the games themselves because I am still, I am still 
interested in and I don't play point and click games as much as I used to but I'm still interested in them and I still I do will still kind of search certain titles out um I think it's just the I mean the the team changed um the Monkey Island team changed I think there was a I'm pretty sure there was one on PlayStation a 3D one which was uh I think it was pretty horrendous um and yeah I think it was that original writing team um mm. of Gilbert Schaefer and Grossman and it was that they, they just had like a you know that kind of right place at the right time that sort of magic touch for the for the first two, two games particularly um and and yeah and it was it's just one of those games that I remember very very fondly and in the in the build up to thinking about talking about Monkey Island I text my brother and asked him if he remembered playing Monkey Island and I was I wasn't sure that he was going to because um as the years went by me and my brother we I think it's safe to say we're very different people and you know we see each other every now and then at some sort of family get together and we'll have a chat but we're not we don't really socialize outside of that um and it's just one of those one of those things we're just different people and and that's kind of what it is and I I was slightly worried about what the answer might be I'm not worried but I was like I kind of resigned to the fact that he might text back and just say, no, I don't remember playing that because he doesn't, it's not like he's into video games really in any big way anymore. Um, he's kind of always had a soft spot for street fighter or whatever it might be, but he's not like, he doesn't own all the latest systems or anything like that, but he texts back immediately and he was like, yep, I remember that very, very well. And we, because at the time the game needed uh, one megabyte of memory to, <laughs> to run of ram to uh to run and the atari ste certainly our one only had um half a meg of ram <laughs> your, your one had half a meg, <laughs> half a meg. well <laughs> I, I think one, i don't know if they meg. were because they were there were different models right there was like i think the one we had was the the 520 or something like that ste and i think there were other ones a bit like the amiga they were different and commodore there was like the commodore 16 and 64 and whatever um so I don't, yeah, I don't know if that was just a standard Atari STE thing or, but certainly I one had half a meg of, of RAM. So, and that, that you could still play the game, but I remember it got to a point and I think it was round about the time that you got to the, uh, the titular Monkey Island. Um, and it just wouldn't, I think an error message came up saying basically insufficient memory or something like that. It just, you couldn't play any, any further. I guess it was, uh, well, yeah, there just wasn't enough RAM to, to run it. And my brother and I had to go and, um, we went to, I went into town, the local town near us, uh, with, and I can't remember exactly how much money we took, but it was something like, I think it was something like 20 odd quid. We took 25, 26, 27 quid, whatever we had basically. And we got there and they said that to buy another half of me- half a meg of memory was, uh, 30 quid. So we were like a couple of quid <laughs> short. And, and we were absolutely gutted. And I do, I think back and I think, what, why didn't we ring them? I, I don't know. I feel like that's, uh, maybe we did ring them and we were quoted a price and when we got there it was slightly different or something because it just seemed, I don't know why we would go in the hope that we had enough money. But, um, so yeah, so we didn't at that time, we didn't, we couldn't complete the game. It wasn't until a couple of years later, um, that we, we sort of went back to it and finished it off. But, um, I was going to ask, well, I suppose there's a few things there. Um, then how deep you want to go to into the amateur psychoanalysis. Um, but do you, do you think maybe is, has the game become sharper and more important in your mind when you look back on it? Maybe because now, you know, you don't talk to your brother so much, mm. but you're thinking about a time when, and that represents a time when you were closer. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't, I think it's, it's interesting that, because I've got several brothers. I've got four brothers and one sister. Um, and Steve and I, um, are the, are the closest in age. There's only a couple of years between, um, sort of most of us, um, sort of, well, two years down to every brother and then my sister's a fair bit younger. Um, so growing up, me and Steve were, were pretty close by we shared a room we were of the same age pretty much that so we shared a room uh for for many years um and it, i mean there may there may well be some of that because like there are other games or well, street fighter is one of them that we 
it's one of those like we can evidently ha- having texted him and found out that he does remember. It's one of those things that we can reach back to, and there's this shared experience that we both do remember, and I think remember fondly. Um, and it's nice to it's nice to have that. You can only have that kind of thing with people that you have known for a very long time, and and family mm. is is for most people is sort of an obvious. Um, touching point for that because you generally you grow up with those people and then kind of stay in touch um throughout so i don't think the game itself means more to me because it represents a time when we were closer specifically but i think that that is definitely an element of it like the my memories and my feelings of that time if not the game itself um it's all kind of tied together in some ways but it's it's there is definitely a like that that's part of the nostalgia like thinking back mm. to that is thinking back to me and steven sitting there um because i think the computer was set up yeah. like on a unit or something and we sat on what were not particularly comfortable chairs they were like the dining room chairs or something like that you know very sort of upright in front of the computer one of us um using the mouse uh so, in fact, was, did we even have a mouse? Yeah, no, I think we did. I think there was a mouse. I don't think we did everything on the keyboard, keyboard and, and cursor keys. But, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think about like memories in that way. It's, um, uh, you know, the way the brain processes memories. I was reading a book about it. And they, um, so it's, it's essentially, or well, the belief is it's, it's essentially impossible to recreate the exact memory of something um, as as was when the memory was created, when the event was experienced. So mm. the way that a brain works in terms of <clears throat> memories is that you're, every time you remember something, you're recreating that moment in your brain, mm. but you're recreating it through the new filters that your brain now sets up as norm. So as you grow, the filters change in your brain. So mm. it's impossible, it's believed to be impossible to remember the exact emotion that you had when you say we're playing Monkey Island because when you're remembering that event, it's coming through your emotional brain now. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it could be now now that your brain's changed and you're not as close with your brother, then maybe the the feeling of that event has been changed as well because of, because of that. Mm. Possibly. I mean, it's it's interesting that in remembering that, I do, you know, the specifics of the setup are slightly hazy. I don't remember exactly where the computer was. I don't remember it. I remember, I think it was in the living room, but then I think also I remember the computer being in the bedroom. So I don't know. I don't really remember. And perhaps that was later on. I don't know. But, and it's also perhaps the most telling thing is that when I remember this, um, I'm seeing the two of us. It's like a third person thing. Like I'm seeing the two mm. of us sat there, which obviously is not, is not how I saw it at the time. So there's, it's like a memory of a memory. It's like I am aware that we did this thing together, but mm. yeah, the, there's a certain amount of stuff that my brain is just making up to fit the bits that I do remember to fit the, the fact, the, the factual element of that we did sit there and play Monkey Island together. Yeah. Um, you're remembering like the scene. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. The first yeah, person. Yeah. Um, but yes, and it, and I think it was, and it is, there were, there were a couple of other games that I, I kind of remember, but I don't have the same feelings attached to them. And I think that's where the game itself comes in because there's other games I, I remember playing and I kind of reeled off a few of them earlier, but that I don't have, um, yeah, I don't have the same feelings towards. I don't, there isn't that, that fuzzy feeling of nostalgia mm. when I think back to it. It's just that I remember that yeah. these were games that we owned and that we both played whilst sat at the computer. It doesn't have the, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't describe them. And even the, the very almost mechanical way that I've just said that, I wouldn't describe them as games we played together. They were just games that we both played in the same room. Whereas Monkey Island is a game we played together. Um, and so, yeah, so the game itself ha- has done a lot of that work. You know, it was, it was very funny and the music was kind of, I remember it very well. I could hum the music now. It's, it's a very evocative and memorable theme tune. And I liked the, the humor, both the sort of the slapstick and the slightly sarcastic humor that permeates it and the characters. And it's just, yeah, there's just so much about it. It's just, it was just a, was and is a very well-designed game. Um, and I've since gone back and 
I've got like the the special edition that was released. I mean, even that must be <laughs> ten years ago or something now, getting on for ten years ago. And it had this really cool has this really cool feature that you can switch between the updated graphics and sound yeah. and everything and the old school. Um, yeah, I think the PS4 version does that. Yeah, that the PS4 re-release. Yeah, and that's like that's awesome. And it's it's there is. It's very difficult. I do, I do kind of flip between the two modes when I very occasionally put it on still, because it's, it's interesting to, uh, to go back and see something like that that does now look so incredibly dated just from a technological standpoint. Um, the fact that I have very fond memories of it means that I still, you know, that's what I, that's how I remember it being. And that's what I, that's how I prefer to see it and experience it now. Um, because to see the updated version, it's like, well, it's kind of Monkey Island, but it's not, it doesn't feel like the same thing. I mean, it, on a very basic level, the fact that in the, the, the newer version, um, it's all voiced. Um, so there's actual speech, whereas in the original, it was just completely, well, the, the te- the talking was just text. There was no, there was no speaking and that, and so things like the comedic timing, you know, that, that some of that you just, you, you make up or you're you're reading it but you have the beats and the pauses that your brain puts into it um whereas when it's being delivered vocally then that's kind of being interpreted yeah, so was that, that a problem or... was that a problem for you um because <clears throat> you know sometimes you know you read a novel or whatever and then you'll see a piece of fan art or the movie adaptation will come out and you'll see the character presented visually on the screen. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, that's mm, not mm. that's not how I imagine it to be. It's, so is it like that with the Yeah, the it is a little bit. The, although not so much, actually. I mean, the voiceover, because I think um, the guy that voices Guybrush Threepwood, I think is the same or it sounds very similar to um, the actor that did it for... Uh, from the third game onwards, because Guybrush did eventually get a voice. It was only, I think, the first two games in which he was mute, or the, or not mute, but they, they didn't have VO. Um, so I had heard Guybrush speak before. That was something that I, again, that still that I grew up with. Um, mm. so it didn't, it wasn't a complete, it wasn't like really jarring. And I don't, like, I don't mind his, his voice, his performance. That's, that's fine. It doesn't, that doesn't bother me too much. The way that he looks actually is more of an issue um, in the updated version for me. He's kind of, I don't know, it's that sort of a, you know, when you're looking at a collection of pixels and you can literally see almost every square that makes up a character, there is a certain amount of work, again, that your brain does to to smooth that over and make a person out of it. Um, and then seeing the, the sort of the smoother, shinier, updated version, there's something... The not quite right. There's sort of a dissonance there for me. There's something not quite right about that. Um, yeah, he's just, he's got a very, very high, just looking at it now, he's got like a very, very high hairline. It's like, it looks like he's got a receding hairline in the newer version. Mm. It's just a bit odd looking and he's very, very lithe and it's sort of, I guess it's like a, a stylistic choice, but it's, um, yeah, I did, I preferred the, the original and my brain's interpretation of the original. Um, but I think there was part of it as well that there was a certain amount of... It felt like, as a 10-year-old playing it, it felt like a grown-up game. It it didn't feel like a game that was pandering to me, either in terms of ability, or in terms of like how difficult the puzzles were, or in terms of the writing. Like The writing felt like it was... Um, not like that thing of being, oh, it's grown up, you know, sort of that tittering, like, oh, it's funny, because, you know, they're saying rude words, or whatever it might be. But just that it yeah, it treated its players like uh, at least, you know, older teenagers, if not adults. Yeah. Well, I think it has that, um, I mean, it's it's adult slash, it's appealed to, to all age groups, or a variety of age groups, goes beyond, yeah, just saying a, saying a word that an adult understands and a kid wouldn't necessarily understand the context to it. It's, mm. um, it's kind of like you know Pixar movies do it pretty yeah, well. Like yeah. it's, it's situational. It's mm. relationships between characters and stuff that they that are, that's very much aimed at adults, but a kid can consume it on one level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. It's that. It's layered in that way. Like it's yeah. It has different meanings to different people. Or different but did you levels. find the game difficult? Because I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing the game was designed. Uh, in its design, it was aimed at players older than ten years old. Mm, mm. But clearly, you got through it. 
Yeah. Um, but was it like, I don't know, maybe it's just kids, kids at that age get less frustrated? Well, I think, I mean, it, it was difficult. Um, and I think the thing with that, it's, is, well, you know, again, perhaps I'm, I'm remembering this with a heavy dose of nostalgia. I don't know, but I don't think I am because I think, it was difficult, but that was just like par for the course. That was that was far more accepted that you might get stuck on a game, particularly a puzzle game, mm. um, and that you would be because not you know with a game like Monkey Island, you're not interacting with it in terms of uh, moving the character around or, or picking things up or picking dialogue choices. You're not doing that all mm. of the time. There are times where you're just both sat there, or both as it was for me and my brother, sat there talking about it or thinking about it or um, before one of us sort of reaches forward to the mouse and then just tries to click every single verb with every single object to see if you can work out mm. what goes with what. And that's probably, you know, that's the other thing as well, I guess, that the difficulty came from um, a certain amount of lateral thinking was required in certain circumstances. But failing that, you could use the brute force method of just trying absolutely everything with absolutely everything. And eventually you'll work it out. Um, yeah, that's the kind of thing I would have done as a kid. I'm not sure I'd do that now. I mean, no, nowadays no. I would just, if I was really stuck, but I was bothered enough to see the end, I'd, I'd probably just go online. And find well, exactly. Or yeah. And that, you know, that, that's the thing. There's that option. Um, Back in the day, you probably when you were playing, you could probably phone up one of those yep, five one of the hint, minute, yeah, yeah. One of the hint lines, yeah. And they actually made a joke of that. I think it was in, I think it was in Monkey Island Two. Remember, was it? Oh, it's one of the ones. But that the, they had like a a uh, an in-game tip line that you could ring. I think in the jungle, just in like you were doing a puzzle in a jungle, and there was a phone attached to one of the trees or something like that that in game you could pick up and it would give you this uh, you know this is the uh, LucasArts um, tip line and it was like it was just a, a parody as so much in, in the game was like there was lots of um, it was very knowing and it broke the fourth wall frequently um, and that again was all part of the appeal like it was it was a way of bringing us into the game it was like well even now as I, I kind of got it on in the background Guybrush is stood just looking, looking directly at me. Like he's looking into the camera. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's, there's so much about that. The, the, so yeah, the, the writing and the humor and just the entire way that it's set up. Um, and he, Guybrush talks out loud and voices, you know, you try to use the rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle of it to do something other than slide down the telegraph pole that gets you to the, uh, meat hook, I think his name is. Um, and there are sort of various amusing lines that are delivered when you're trying to do these things. So, and that was the other thing, like it wasn't just, oh, well, that's the wrong solution. You, you got, you still got value. You still got gameplay and narrative and, and jokes from try from getting things wrong. And that was like, that was part of it. And that's, yeah. Like it responded to you, not just praising you for not just in a sense of, uh, you know, some games only react to you when you do the quote unquote right thing, mm. the, the intended thing. And, and they'll praise you for that. And in, in, in the sense of you can progress and that's your reward. Fewer games just acknowledge your inputs, whether they're, you know, right or wrong. I mean, more mm. games nowadays because mm. you've got open world games and stuff sort of react to everything you do. But certainly back then, um, it was either, you know, you do the right thing or or you just met with no response. Mm. And it, yeah, and, and, and it was, even if that was just like trying to use your your sword on an unsuspecting passerby and he would he might say um you know, i don't think you want to do that or something like that in games now just thinking about that specific example you know like an open world game you can stand there and um in most games some of them will register but in most games you can stand there and shoot an npc in the head and nothing happens because they're just they're not meant to that's not a correct interaction um but it's not even that it's not correct it's not uh it's kind of not Allow, it's not it's not programmed for it's not yeah, it's just it's like, not intended it's not yeah. it's not catered for i suppose yeah or it's catered for in the sense that well if you do that this is going to cause a problem and then that's why there was i remember there was a lot of fuss about dark souls and demon souls before it because you could kill npcs 
and even if they might be important NPCs, you could kill like the blacksmith and then it would be like, well, now you can't get this other stuff. And so, yeah, Monkey Island just, it felt like it was very clever because it, it just did, it responded to the things, even when we were being deliberately like trying to test it, it responded to the things that we were trying to do with it. And that only becomes more and more extensive and apparent as your inventory grows, because you have this almost never, well, I think it is never ending actually. Um, this never ending inventory that you can stuff things in various pockets and down his trousers and everything else. And then the more things you have, the more options there are. And the more likely it is that you're going to be using a certain amount of trial and error, uh, particularly as a as a ten year old. Um, yeah, do 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 you think how much of sort of going into the game in that depth, trial and error, you know, seeing seeing everything, whether it was by design that you wanted to do that or just because you didn't know what to do, so you're out of options. How much of sort of in in engaging it with it to that extent, do you reckon was because I mean, I'm presuming that you had far fewer, you had access to far fewer games then mm, than you do mm. now, so you had sort of less means to get distracted or less ability to kind of call it a day and give up and and try something else. I mean, nowadays, I mean, we're older, you've got more disposable cash, more access to games, and you know, there's free to play games and stuff. There's you know, you can mm. you know play what play whatever you want really at, at the within minutes after buying it or accessing it for free so how how much do you reckon was just kind of you and you engage with it so much just because of the the limited options um i think there's definitely some of that and i think that that feeds back into the like the whole difficulty thing as well it's like you just accept that that is part of the game you're going to and a point and click game is is quite different because particularly monkey island um you couldn't die although i did hear years later about there being an easter egg where i think you can actually kill him through this very particular convoluted route of events um but but generally you couldn't die and they even made a joke of that i think at some one point you fall off a cliff and bounce back off a rubber tree um you bounce back up onto the top of the cliff where you were standing uh and i think it says when you fall off it says something like game over or it says something and then you're you're back and it's like well no you can't actually die um but yes in in general terms like the the difficulty of other games at that time platform games where you would die and it would be game over it was just an accepted thing that you that was part of it like you might play the game for an hour you might get to the third or fourth level and die but you've you've learned stuff and then the next time you play it Ghouls and Ghosts is a a classic example that I can think of. Again, playing that with a a friend at the time. Um, A single-player game. But you would sit there and it would be one person's go and they would play through it. And But you would still be involved because you'd be saying, oh, this is the bit where, you know, don't forget that this is the bit where that tongue lashes out and kills you. and Mm. Because it's just like an instant death thing. And it's like, that's and that's fine. That was accepted. Um, So I think, so along the same sort of terms, that the difficulty was just accepted and that you, you... you might sit there with Monkey Island specifically. You might sit there for an hour uh, of your allotted computer time. So it goes back to kind of to what you were saying about like having more disposable income now. There's also more. Well, you have more time. When you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. More freedom. You have more time as a child, but you, yeah, the, the way that you use that time is can be is is perhaps more controlled or more beholden to whether you have permission to play the computer, whatever it might be. But we might be told, yeah, you can play it for an hour, and we might sit there for an hour, and we might only progress a tiny bit because we've been stuck. But that that's not like oh, we've wasted an hour, we've wasted fifty minutes, and we only just did something in the last ten minutes. That's just that was part of playing the game, that figuring it out, that un, that learning what and learning something that you might do something that doesn't work, but you discover a new interaction or you discover that, oh, actually, I can open up this item in my inventory, which I didn't expect to be able to open up. And I found something else inside it. Or There's just like there was so many different opportunities for yeah. gameplay beyond or what was almost like what was it accepted to be what was what was considered to be playing the game wasn't always the literal act of playing the game wasn't always the the controlling the character and moving them around like it was you could sit there and then have a eureka moment and like oh okay but you're still that we still considered that play, you know playing the game because that's yeah we were yeah paying attention to it and and absorbed in it and and entertained by it so so did that lead to 
did Mankarin stand in or Mankarin series? You said you played the other ones, but did that lead to an appreciation of that kind of game, point and click games in general? Did you go on and have a? Did you seek them out after the sort of the positive experiences with those, or was Monkey Island a kind of a one-off, you know, on an mm. island on, on its own little <laughs> island sort of sort of um, sort of deal? No, it was it it stayed. I mean, Monkey Island always did pique my interest whenever there was a new Monkey Island game coming out. I was always interested, and I think pretty much bought them without fail, even when. I knew or had heard or read in reviews in the later years, sort of from the mid to late nineties onwards when I was reading video game magazines, that they weren't as good as the previous ones or that in some instances they were perhaps even a little bit rubbish. But I still, I've just always had a fondness for Monkey Island games that, that starts with that first game. The second one, the art style, I think in the second one was just, it, I thought it was absolutely amazing. Like I still, even now I have a real, it's one of those timeless games. Monkey Island, the original Monkey Island, I love seeing just the, how how uh, blocky and pixelated and, you know, as, as the characters move around in the distance, they are literally just a collection of what must be, I don't know, 16 pixels or something in the in the far distance. Um, but yeah, Monkey Island 2, I think, just looked and still looks absolutely incredible, even the original, um, not the, the remastered one. Um, so yeah, there was, Monkey Island was a, was a constant, definitely, but there were other games after that as well. Broken Sword later became mm. a thing, definitely became a thing. And I, I remember being sort of blown away all over again with Broken Sword. Um, yeah, I remember the visuals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the, at that time, then it was onto CD-ROM. So, um, the visuals in both, not just the cutscenes, I mean, they were amazing, but also just the, the the character art in particular, uh, the expressions um, on faces and the 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 acting, the physical acting of the way they moved or the way they reacted in surprise when something happened, um, and that was another series that I for again went through many many of the different installments of that. So I've definitely had, and although I haven't um, picked it up yet, uh, Ron Gilbert's latest um oh yeah uh, thimbleweed park thimbleweed park absolutely that yeah. that's yeah. yeah that's exactly it yeah um that i think is out now on switch so and has been for a little while and i i, w- I will definitely get that i've not picked it up yet but i will definitely get that because i still have that fondness and there's a i think it was a game that you were talking about isn't it there, there was a point there's a point and click game that's come out recently that is oh unavowed came out yeah. unavowed uh, yeah august late july august yeah and that's really quite, you know, that does some really quite interesting things with the, uh, with the the genre. So, yeah, yeah it's when, definitely yeah. it's definitely a, a a genre that I've stayed in touch yeah. with and attached to. Um, so, when you're playing or potentially playing a new point and click game now, maybe it's hard to say, but you know, say you start playing Unavowed, will you <clears throat> do you go into it with? kind of like you know in the nicest way possible like the baggage of monkey island and sort of monkey island holds such a place mm. uh, such a lofted position for you that is it almost impossible for another point and click game to ever impress you in the same way because um you know as a kid like there's a certain it's difficult to ever trump those mm. grand ex- those great experiences that you remember as a kid like they're so vivid in mm. your mind when mm. you when you kind of look back on them and um you know when people ask me you know what's your favorite games or whatever um tends to be it tend or my first port of call to answer that question tends to be to go back to the games that i played when i was when i was younger yeah. um and it's hard yeah. for another game and a, a game that I've played when I've older to kind of break into that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I think that that does happen for me. I think it, it is. It's a very for those reasons, really, that you've just spoken about. But it's very difficult. Just the question. <laughs> See, <laughs> it's very difficult to to. Talk. I think a game that means something to you in your your formative years, in those those childhood years, where you are still. I mean, you would hope that we're all still growing and developing as people, but you know, it's a very very clear and um fluid process when you are a child and it's something that's happening you know you change your tastes change your your um 
just your opinion of things can change quite rapidly um, as you grow up. And Monkey Island definitely is a it sounds it's you know it's almost overstated but it's like it's a part of me like there, there's definitely is whereas a game like broken sword as i enjoyed that i remember getting the, the broken sword 2 i think i got for christmas in like 97 98 whenever around the time that it came out were you playing um, that more solo yes yeah definitely yeah um and so and that yeah and this is the thing as well because so i've got the memories from monkey island 1 with my brother and then monkey island 2 i played with a uh school friend who had i think he had an amiga um because by that point um well no Stephen and i were still sharing a room but i think by that point we weren't playing as many games together um i think our tastes started to change and i think steve had probably started to move away from uh, from video games in general, and I think certainly from point-and-click games. I, I, to my knowledge, he hasn't played any of the other Monkey Island games, and I don't think would have much interest in doing so, even though he remembers the first one fondly. But So, oh yeah, I then played the second Monkey Island game with a very good um, friend at the time, and that has, again, memories that are tied up in that time of my life. Um, we stayed up all night. Well, it wasn't quite all night. But that's how this, you know, that's how the story go becomes. <laughs> so remembering it, it now. exactly, yeah. Stayed up on and, you and tell the legend, not yeah. The story. Within a few retellings, it will be all night because you know I'm catching myself now. But within It'll a couple a of years, <laughs> if we didn't sleep for three days, um, yeah. And there was a puzzle in that that we used the brute force approach. Oh, I particularly, he went to sleep, and I was up at two or three in the morning, clicking every single map coordinate in Monkey Island Two. Trying to find you, there's a bit where you have to dive down to find. I think you go out on a glass bottom boat and you dive down to find something. And for the life of us, we could not find out where the clue was because there obviously was one that told you which map, map coordinate you needed to go to. And so I clicked every single one. And there were probably going to misremember this, but there were, I think, upwards of I'm going to be conservative and say upwards of 60. Um, I'll have to look that up because it'd be interesting mm. if it was far less than that. But I think each one had a little animation. So you went to the point, you dived out the boat, you went down, you came back up, nothing. And it, so it wasn't just a click everyone to find it. It was a, you had to watch this thing happen. Yeah. Um, and I think years later I went back to that game and then discovered that the answer is actually really quite, oh, it's in, I think it's in a book that you've got or something. It tells you very clearly what you have to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the point of all of that was that the, so I, the first two Monkey Island games, which are my favorite, I believe them to be the best made of the series, but it's perhaps not a coincidence that I played both of those first two games with somebody and I have very clear memories. One of them was my brother. One of them was my best mate at the time. Um, very clear memories of that, uh, and it's it it is unavoidably tied up in th- the how I felt about the relationships at the time and just what games meant. They meant a different thing. They were a different type of entertainment to what they are for me now. Yeah. Um, I wonder would you accept that sort of? I mean, I know you said that the, the answer is obvious now, but would you? except that sort of game design approach in a point-and-click game that is very um, hands-off on the design side. It's all down to the player to to take notes of everything and, mm. and make their own way through because modern point-and-clicks tend not to do that. I mean, Broken Age, if you spend too long faffing about or not getting the answer, it will essentially tell you what to do. Mm. Um, I don't know. I played... The Cave, which was also Ron Gilbert, much far, far, far more recently. Um, and that was effectively, I think, point and click. Kind of, well, it had point and click elements to it. Um, and that did away with things like the uh, the whole verb menu and the inventory. And I, th- I, think, I think you could still pick up items, but it was something that like you could only have one at a time or something. And it was more of a puzzle solving challenge than it was or i considered it anyway than a narrative adventure even though there were these 12 different characters and you could play with a combination of any of these 12 characters and you got different you could go into different areas because they each had a different power um and so yeah so i think if it were 
much more trial and error. Yeah, I don't know if I would. I don't know how I'd feel about that. And maybe uh, that's perhaps why I'd be interested to play as well from that perspective. Play Thimbleweed Park to see how much that leans into that. Um, because again, Ron Gilbert, it's uh, how much of it has been like, well, I would expect something, my expectation would be different of a modern game, even if it is in a genre that harkens back to the glory days of point and click. Like that, I, mm. I think I possibly, I'd at least, I think I'd at least want to be forearmed with that knowledge and know that that's what it was going to be to set my expectations accordingly rather than get into it and find I'm having to wander around, click on, clicking on everything and, and kind of find out accidentally that that's part of the game design. I think I'd like to know that up front to, to set my, yeah. set my expectations. Um, yeah, it's interesting because um, Day of the Tentacle was always like a bigger thing in my mind of mm. those, of that era. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of kind of similar things like, you know, just had no idea how to solve this thing. So it was a case of clicking on everything and clicking every item in your inventory on every single character in the world and just seeing what happens. And eventually it does work. Um, and I love that game at the time and I love the story and, and everything, but I'm just wondering, and I mean, it's impossible to say and it's, it's impossible to experiment because I know the solutions or probably can't remember the solutions now, but would be interesting if I was playing that game now from zero, from, from no knowledge of it at all. I wonder I wonder if I would kind of put up with it, certainly mm, now that yeah. I've been conditioned through other games to to think that that's old fashioned or that's a that's a thing of the past or that's a um that's just not acceptable, I suppose, mm. nowadays. Um yeah, and there was, I mean, like, there was no, well, there was an instruction book, but there was no, like, there was certainly no tutorial. Like, with Monkey Island, you, you just got right into it. There's a, there's a bit of conversation with a blind lookout guy on top of the hill to begin with. Um, and then you just, you're into it. You've got your inventory's empty. You've got a bunch of verbs that you can use to interact with the world. And that's it. Like the, the, and that's, you know, that isn't a thing that yeah. happens so much now did, either. That's... Did the instruction book have any hints in it? Because I, I was thinking, just as you said, that's a bit unrelated, but kind of in terms of real world stuff. In I think it was it Metal Gear Solid Two. It might have been Metal Gear Solid One. <laughs> the first one. Metal Gear Solid yeah. Two. Yeah, and it says to you, look on the back of the game, but you're trying to find out the code. Yeah. To the the the, the radio frequency, the yeah, channel right, for yeah. one of the characters, and it says, look on the back of the back, back of the game box. I'm I like, think. Yeah. Does it does it say game box or CD case or something? It's yeah, but it is literally one of the screenshots on the back of yeah, the. Yeah, uh, what the case. hell are you yeah. talking about? And they keep saying it. You keep yeah. saying it. It's like, oh, hang on, and then your mind is just like racing. It's like, wow, this is incredible. Like, like gutted, gutted. If you've just borrowed the disc from someone, <laughs> and you don't have the. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Although, again, I guess there's the brute force approach you could take with that because you could just scan every single frequency. It would take quite a long time. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember there being um, any particular hints like that. I think the... I'm just having a quick look now at the... Um, just seeing if it's got anything in it. I don't think it has. I think it was... Read read this first. Important. Yeah, see, this was where the tutorial was, I guess. Like, the there was an expectation that you would read the instruction book. Um, and that was, like, part of the... That was, like, part of the... Um, just part of the tradition, part of the anticipation, particularly if you'd gone to buy a game and then on the way home you read the instruction book on the bus or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, no, I don't think there was any specific tips or anything in there. I do remember there being the dialer pirate wheel, which was their form of copy protection. <laughs> um, it was just like one of those, it was like a, a circular piece of paper stuck onto a bigger circular piece of paper and um they had uh, pirate faces like and you had to line up the appropriate thing. yeah exactly a cipher yeah you had to line up the appropriate faces and then read the code for the uh i think there was four or five different place names and it asked you for the year or something that uh, corresponds to the the pirate faces that you've lined up um so yeah i mean it, it there's definitely there's definitely a lot of emotional and um, 
there's also appreciation for the game design and the writing it's it's not any one thing when i think about and that's why it's endured that's why i bought the, the you know the monkey island remaster however many years ago it was and that's why i would probably buy another one i mean I, I, it would be a very different game these days i guess but as the the later ones turned or the latter ones turned out to be the 3d playstation one i think was, yeah. was not so good no well that was going to be a question um given given the fondness for it um what do you feel about just the idea of new ones or or the the, the re-releases that came out and um you know when you heard about them was it were you eagerly anticipating them? Were you excited about them, or were you kind of fearful that mm. the, the the legacy of your mind would be like? Yeah, tainted? no, I think I think that, and that's perhaps where it's like the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, sort of thing. yeah, some yeah. people will love them, and some people would just loathe the loathe the loathe the idea of them. Yeah, the ones. yeah, yeah, almost offended by the very notion that there would be. Um, yeah, I think. That's perhaps you know people talk about nostalgia and and, and roast into glasses and you like it's never the same as you remember and all the rest of it, but there's also a certain degree for me with particularly with Monkey Island there's a certain degree of kind of protection that that lends it because it kind of doesn't matter to me like I don't the 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 later games um, Curse of Monkey Island which I think was the third one. Uh, that was that went in a radically different direction. The art style was completely different. It was the first one to be voiced, um, and I think even the way that it worked was different. I don't recall there being a an inventory system as such. I think it was just like all contextual um, actions. I think, um, but then there was yeah the three D PlayStation one, and there was uh, there was also the the Telltale one actually, which is one I haven't played interestingly um but yeah that's it's it doesn't really matter to me if if the the games come out now if a game came out monkey island game came out now i would very likely buy it but i wouldn't have i wouldn't worry i'm kind of protected against it damaging the legacy because the legacy is rooted in more than just oh i played this game and i really liked it and i hope they don't screw up the sequel like it's it doesn't matter or it almost doesn't like that you you cannot take that that away from me like it's that's done and that's in my that will you know it stays with me um so yeah it's not it's not perhaps the the series or the brand that i'm enjoy it's those specific games so you um, don't have that sort of protectionist quality that a lot of sort of fan cultures fan niches have over um you know that idea that they they love this thing so much they're the reason or they're part of the reason mm, why it's successful mm. therefore the, the, the stuff that's made subsequently needs to adhere to their their rule set or their their preferences yeah no no i don't i don't have that and and some of that is some of that is the passage of time some of that is because it would be presumably very different people making the games it would be interesting and and in when you were saying that that kind of made me realize or made me think about the fact that perhaps there's a certain amount of i wouldn't really have any expectation of a new game in the series um and therefore it'd be difficult i would just i would probably think well you know it's just great that there's another game in the series and i'll play it and if Mm. it's great then good and if it's rubbish then it that doesn't matter i'm kind of i'm I'm no no worse off but i think that would might be different if it was something that people like ron gilbert and tim schaefer and dave grossman were involved in then it would be different i think then there would be expectation then there would be anticipation and therefore that's kind of then you're then i'm kind of opening myself up to it's like that thing you know you dare to to hope or to dream or to think oh wow it could be it could be this thing um so yeah it's probably it's definitely dependent i guess on who it is that's making it and who's involved um but i do know that i'll always have yeah i'll always have those first two monkey island games and Probably in particular the first one, I think, um, to, to to go back to, and, and thanks to the wonders of retro gaming and uh, and even just things like the remaster, um, yeah, they're always like they're just right there. You know, I've got them on Steam. Uh, 
the fact that you can switch between the old old school graphics and the new is i think a must and i vaguely remember hearing that that wasn't that was something they used i think in during development that they were using that as a tool i don't know if it was like a mapping tool or just a way of uh recreating each scene that they came up with a way of just doing that as a part of the development tools and then because it could be done on the fly with no literally no hesitation you can just switch back and forth as much as you want it was then decided to include that in the game and that that is a well that is a real kind of big draw for me i think it, i would i wouldn't yeah i don't think i'd even fire it up out of curiosity yeah. if it was just the new remastered version i like it's it's not the same yeah it's almost like um you know, rotoscoping in movies mm, where mm-hmm. you'll film something and then you'll draw over the top and then you'll show it. It's almost like having the ability in a film to to switch between the actors in front of the camera as as is mm. as is in the in the in the in the film or in the memory card nowadays. Mm. Um, and yeah, being able to switch between that and then the rotoscope version um, whenever you want. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and with something like this, it's it's um I am interested to see both versions of almost every scene. You know, it's like something I'll, I'll playing it will go somewhere, uh, either in the original or in the newer, and just think, oh, how have they? How did this used to look? Or how have they? Did, does it look? Did it look? Or does it look the way that I remember that it does? And switch back to find out whether it does or not. And equally, oh well, what have they done with this character? Or what have they done with this scene in the newer remaster? Let's switch and have a look at that and. So yeah, it's a, like it's a a really it's a brilliant way of connecting with your or my past memories of it, and that's something you don't you know you don't often get to do. It's like you can buy an old console or an old computer and play certain games that you remember. Um, I, d- I did that a few years ago. I went through a phase of buying Mega Drive games, bought the Immortal, um, and it's like is this. Is this how I remember it? And, you know, conventional wisdom suggests you shouldn't go back. It will never be the same as you remember. But um, that's not always the like, case. Like an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. it's it's it, You had your time together, and it's perhaps best to, uh, for all concerned, if you move on. But, no, I think, like, I remember and a few years ago, I heard that a friend of mine said that she'd bought um, one of her close friends who loved Monkey Island as a, as a kid. She'd bought him a T-shirt. Uh, online that said I don't think there was any actual picture on it it just it was like blocky old school computer text and it said what would Guybrush do and it was that's like this little nod to uh, to Monkey Island and that's like yeah I, you know I love that he's he has become it feels like he's become this kind of significant figure to certain people there'd be so many gamers now that you said Guybrush 3 but they wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about they thought you were talking absolute gibberish um, but yeah, it has a very, yeah. And it's, it's nice. I think in talking about it, it's nice to discover or to reaffirm that it isn't just the nostalgia that there is actually, I think it's, you know, the, the game design, I think was also an important part. That's, that's what I came to appreciate, um, beyond it just being something that, I have a fond memory of of doing this activity. Actually, the the thing, the subject of of that activity was also actually a really good, solid game. 